This podcast, The Two Mats, is sponsored as ever by the New European Newspaper. And we've got a very special subscription offer for you, a new one, where you can get a free bollocks to Brexit passport cover. That's right, you heard that right, folks. It's a burgundy, like vegan leather, beautifully designed passport cover. Pleather. To, to have pleather, that's what, that's what they call it, isn't it? Pleather. To hide your um, new British blue. The shame of the, the blue shame, The shame passport. of the blue passport. And you can get your free bollocks to Brexit passport cover free with a subscription to the New European from just £1 a week. So to take this fantastic offer, and trust me, if you like this podcast, you will absolutely love the New European, go to theneweuropean.co.uk forward slash two mats. That's the number two, M-A-T-T-S, and there's a link in the show notes. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, I'm Matt Kelly. And I'm Matt Dancona. And this is the two mats for the week ending January the 5th. Uh, the first podcast of 2024. 2024, yeah. yeah what, what a year it's going to be. It is, isn't it? What did we talk about, Matt? We talked about a variety of apocalyptic scenarios. Yes. <laughs> Try to inject a the little apocalypse bit. Apocalypse can come a number of ways. A little bit of wit and fun and, you know, hope into the otherwise yeah. despairing landscape. But I think we, we kind of concluded that if maybe the salient characteristic of the year ahead is going to be just the sort of the, the scope of the possible yes it was the unthinkable well this this is the theme isn't it that that what a few years ago you would think was unthinkable has now become very, much very thinkable and so this maybe is that's, co- the, that's the title we should call it that so 2024 this is the two mats episode 28 2024 thinking the unthinkable thinking the unthinkable enjoy enjoy So, Matt, what are we going to talk about in this first show of 2024? Well, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And all, to all our listeners, yes. uh, Happy New Year and welcome back. And it's going to be uh, an incredible year, not necessarily in a good way either. Yeah. Um, you know, four billion voters going to the polls, more than half the world's population, and a whole series of really important decisions and moments and conflicts going on in the year ahead, which I hope we'll be able to at least discuss some of today. Yeah, yeah. And I guess the big one will be the presidential election on November the 5th in America. Yeah. And so I thought maybe we'd kick off with, just to get things started, a quick clip of Trump's latest intervention. If producer Ollie could give us a, a blast of that, that'd be wonderful. Well, 
that's a very technical way to kick off what is a huge, monumental, historic presidential contest. But it's it's not unapt because mm. we're all going to have to become lawyers this year. Yeah. Uh, because so much of the Trump controversy between assuming he does get through and stands, uh, wins the Republican nomination and, and then goes on to face, one presumes, the incumbent Joe Biden in November is going to hang on legal matters and and you know I, one thing I did not expect for late 2023 early 2024 was that I was gonna have to find out more about the 14th amendment yes. but you know we are because Colorado Supreme Court and Maine Secretary of State have both invoked this amendment in order to try and keep Trump off the Republican primary ballot where does this come from well the, the 14th amendment was passed in 1868 to keep the defeated confederates after the civil war off Ballots, right? Right, right. Uh, actually, the reporter they didn't quite get it right, which is if you've sworn an oath of office to the Constitution, you can, and you then engage in insurrection, mm. you cannot then stand for office. In an effort to try and keep Trump out of the the the, the pit completely, they're invoking the Fourteenth Amendment. Now, I'm a rule of law guy, so if the courts uphold this, then let's go with it. Yeah, but I was yeah. very interested. Bill Barr, who was one of the the attorney general's under Trump and hates Trump, wrote a very good piece in the Free Press this week in which he said, look, actually the case for keeping Trump off the ballot on this basis is quite flimsy. Right. And uh, one of the reasons for that is that the, the amendment sort of makes it unclear whether the authority lies with the states or with Congress. And it implies that there should be a criminal conviction of the office of holder the offense before for, you can then and and, right. and you know trump although we all know he was involved in an insurrection has not yet been yeah. convicted of of that felony uh he may well be but you know he was cleared by the second impeachment scandalously my hunch is that he will go to the supreme court and the supreme court will uh knock it back and and just looking forward beyond so say imagine that he is withheld from the ballot and, oh i mean it's in in many ways that's even worse than him. Yes, running. I mean again, as I say, it, you know, another stick in the mud. Say, well, if the courts say that, then we should go with it. But looking at it in a kind of pragmatic way, keeping the runaway favourite for all that we can't bear him, and you know, I wonder if he'd like us. You know, we went to the two <laughs> med studio. There were two of them, both really good podcasters, great very podcasters, fine, very fine podcasters. On both sides. Some, some say the best. I could have done it better. Yeah. You know. <laughs> They were talking about something called Brexit. I didn't understand. Anyway, very nice guys. Nice guys. Nice guys. The best guys. The best guys. So anyway, we'll never find out. But <laughs> you're right. If if they keep this guy who's now 60% yeah. of the competition off the ballot, this yeah. is not necessarily a recipe Well, if they for, talk about stolen election uh, on an election that he was actually able to run in. Yes. Imagine what they'll say. When he wasn't, if right. taken off. You know. I mean, it's it, the pressure upon... Although the judiciary should be free from social pressure, yeah. they won't be. And, you know, keeping them off the ballot will be problematic, to say the least. Yeah. Um, however, that's just a sort of taste of what lies ahead. Because between now and and, and what will be you know, a hugely consequential election with, a, a you know, a, an unpopular and weakened Democrat incumbent, Joe Biden, we've got all these court dates coming up. So, you know, for example, he's still claiming presidential immunity we know that the federal case on uh, you know his his insurrection stuff it, it being brought by the special 
prosecutor Jack Smith is heading for trial on March the 5th. Why is that interesting? It's interesting because the day after Mar- March the 4th, sorry, the day after March the 5th is Super Tuesday. Right. On which day one third of all Republican delegates are selected. So, you know, already you're, yeah. you're in the, there's this sort of collision between the primary process and Trump's big trial appearance the legal process the legal process and i think that you know one of the many weirdnesses about a very weird year is going to be that the the trials are going to be the campaign yeah you know that's where the action is going to be and of course this presents a problem for biden because you know he's going to want to run a routine you know do you really want to risk it think how far we've come campaign Mm. against a guy who every time he's indicted seems to do better and get more funding. And as you've you've said repeatedly, and you say in this week's New European column, Biden doesn't get the credit that you would expect him to get for the progress, the real progress that America's made under his presidency. Tremendous progress. I mean, on a lot of measures, mostly economic, Biden's had a very successful presidency. Yeah. You know, the withdrawal from Afghanistan was not his or America's finest hour. But in terms of just getting the country back on its feet, he's done very well. But I think what you're seeing, and this is a warning to Starmer, who will probably come on to in a minute, is that the damage that the populist right does to trust has a terrible impact upon progressive parties because Biden is not getting any credit for all this. And one of the reasons for that is because people don't see a link between what governments do and the improvement of their quality of life. And actually, America, you know, America's ahead of us in this regard. Jobs coming back. People are starting to feel the impact of inflation falling. You know, there, there is in normal rules, in norm, which I think are over now and not coming back. Mm. Biden really ought to be steering towards a quite comfortable re-election, but he isn't. Right. So about this, you know, one can make no certain predictions. You know, it's, it, this is going to be a very, very difficult, angry race. And, I, I, you know, we've said it before on the podcast that the only scarier thing than Trump winning is him losing. Yeah. Because can you imagine, we're recording this on Thursday, Saturday is the third anniversary of January the 6th. That was after an election he clearly lost. What will it be like if he loses again? Right. You know, supporters have been planning for four years. The militias are growing. Yeah. You know, one just hopes that there is an orderly transfer of power, whatever happens. But the, 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 the reason it's good to start off with this is that, you know, America is still the most powerful nation on earth. And it could well be about to go through sort of 12 months of total introspection, which will have huge consequences for the other things we're probably going to be talking about in this podcast. Yeah. I mean, it's... There's a massive question, which is, is democracy fit for purpose in in the environment that we live in now? You said you said a moment ago, the rules have changed completely and the old rules are never coming back. You know, so what's the long term consequence? I think that the long term consequence is that a lot of the things that have been a matter of convention will have to become a matter of rule. Yeah, nailed down. Yes, yeah. because, you know, conducted debates, yes. um, appropriate language to use. What we do about figures like Trump who've been disgraced, I mean, clearly, in a sane democracy or republic, as America always likes to describe itself, a character like Trump should not be able to stand for re-election, but he almost certainly is. Yeah, And I think that this is very difficult for Americans to understand and to come to terms with and make peace with because they venerate the Constitution so much and the whole 
basis of American politics is we've got the Constitution, the rules make it clear. And what's horribly apparent is that the Constitution as written is not enough Mm. to safeguard the Republic against an autocratic populist entertainer stroke fascist like Trump. And now, I mean, one thing I think we need to do and carry on doing and never not do again is start to work on the basis that when people say something, they mean it. Yeah. So before 2016, we, we very much with Trump, oh, he's just a cartoon villain. He'll never do any of these things. So when he said to Hannity, Sean Hannity of Fox in one of the Iowa town halls last month, you know, I'd be a dictator on day one. Everyone went, oh, good old mm. Trump. But then no, you he think, means actually, yeah. he means it. Yeah. I remember last year you, you read out that list of Umberto Echo's fascism, fascism, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Trump, tick, 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 tick. And a second term of Trump would be very, very difficult for the Republic to recover from, I think. Yeah. So bringing it to these shores. Yes. Because that was the bulk of your piece this week. And when I read the phrase, I kind of went, yes. You said that the collapse in trust in British politics is analogous to the collapse of the economy in 2008. Yeah. There's been an ethical crash. There's been an ethical crash. Yes. And, And of course... You know, you hear Keir Starmer talking very well. He was at, talking this morning, talking Thursday this morning. in Bristol. Yeah, very, very well, well yeah. about restoring trust in politics. Yeah. But talk is cheap. And any crash takes a long time yes, to does. recover yeah. from. And and you listed a, a number of points where... You could start. You could start. But it is a start. Yeah. And also, you know, one thing I do think is asymmet- it's an asymmetric thing, uh-huh. the decline of trust, because populist right-wingers like cynicism. They want people to blame their woes upon judges and elitists and uh, the wokerati, whatever that means, and immigrants, right. and not expect government to make a difference to their lives, actually. Yeah. Whereas if you're a progressive party, the whole basis is that you know communal collective action works, collaboration works. And so one of the injustices of all this is that Labour, paradoxically, is is, is going to be the one that picks up the the bill, if you like, for yeah. for Boris Johnson and bloody Liz Truss. Blowing all the trust. Blowing all the trust and yeah. Sunak with his ridiculous Rwanda policy. Yeah. You know, and, and this the, the, the kind of burden on a prospective Starmer government is going to be crushing in that respect. So how does it, what are the practical, because Chris Bryant has written about yeah. this and you quote his book well there, what are there, the practicalities i mean i would spend i mean clearly we now know because sunak has this morning thursday announced in mansfield in nottinghamshire that he's working on the assumption there'll be a election in the second half of 2024 which presumably means october november i mean it could go december i don't know but so starmer now has a lot of real estate to fill yeah and we know that he's not going to want to talk too much about the specifics of fiscal policy. So, you know, one of the things he could talk, and this is the point of the column, I guess, which is, you know, there are specifics, some of them quite granular, mm. that you could do to improve kind of survey the, the, the regulation of yeah. public standards in this life. The Electoral Commission, the, the, the very complex tangle of bodies that, are, that oversee public life in Whitehall and Westminster could be consolidated and so on. And, and these are things that won't cost any money. It so sounded you, a bit like the suggestion was, and this is a crude way of saying it, but like a sort of an overarching ethical police yes, force. with you know, teeth. Yeah, with teeth. Responsible to Parliament. Yes, so but only yeah, responsible yeah. to Parliament in a, on a statutory basis. Yeah. Not, I mean, the thing that, that MPs will uh, bristle about is the idea that anybody should sort of have authority over them who isn't 
a parliamentarian. Yeah, but that's bullshit, though. Well, I, I'm know, afraid we've passed that yeah, point. Yeah, tough look. But you know, too since, bad. Since the expenses scandal, yeah. they've proven they've, they're, as, they're as rotten as the rest of they've us. Had, and we normally they, need policing. Here we yeah. are. I mean, that was 2009. Yeah. We're now 2024. 15 years. Sorry, yeah. guys. You know. Yeah. Um, so I think that that could be a, a good theme because I think that he's got a lot of time to fill now Starmer yeah. you know and we saw him this morning you know there was there were some good lines in it like this is your year I thought that was a nice yeah. line but when he gets on to well we're going to fund everything from growth it's quite alarming because as yeah. we've discussed before yes but, but that's going to take a long time and it's and it's and it's hypothetical growth isn't it no one can pinpoint where that money and when that money's going to come you in you know he says oh we're going to be a radical government because we're going to have the most sustained growth in the g7 well says who I mean, yeah, how, yeah, how yeah, can yeah. you possibly know that yeah. the other thing is that there's a slight carp for the horse problem here which is realistically to get growth going we do need a Keynesian moment. We do need an injection of investment. But he says, I'm not going to get into big spending and taxes before we've got growth going. Well, good luck with that. Yeah. I mean, you don't just get growth going by saying we're going to have, as every incoming government has since the 50s, a skills revolution. Yeah. And we need to improve productivity. Well, yeah. And the, but all of that is based back on, you know, it's a manufactured conceit based on Brexit saying we, we need a skills revolution because we can't import the skills that we had before. Yeah, exactly. You know, we can't bring in skills to make yes. the economy work, yeah. so we're going yeah. to have to do it ourselves. But, you know, there is a bigger solution, which is, okay, well, let's rethink immigration completely and bring in I mean, skills to get the economy moving. The interesting thing on this is, you know, the more I think about it, the more I think that that question will be impossible. He may be able to get to the election without having done anything other than well we want a closer Talk relationship yeah, too yeah. but once he's in, assuming he does get into number 10 once he's in number 10 it will be screamingly apparent what you just said yeah that you know if we're not in the single market this his, is going to go on and his on growth and on. his yeah. growth objective yeah. is meaningless yeah and so i think that will be one of the most important and difficult identity crises of of the first year his challenge is to find a way of presenting that solution as not a correction to Brexit. That's, he's exactly. got to find a way of presenting the solution of re-entering the single yes. market or whatever we call it as not, oh, we effed up at Brexit. No, it, can't be a, it cannot be a relitigation of 2016 right, because right. if you do that, then... You know the Dominic Cummingses, the Matthew Elliotts. Then they've the got Michael, they just, they've got what they want, right? Exactly. So it's yeah. got to be. And I think actually, to do him justice, I think that part of the reason that he's been sort of playing what you might call this gentle patriotism, which is certainly not nationalism, but it's a kind of you know yeah. singing "God Save the King" at the Labour conference and so on, is that uh, he sees that as a gateway. You know, we're going to be a better country and as a better country, we're going to be fit for a new relationship with the EU. Right. Rather than we're yeah. going to reverse a terrible mistake. So it's a patriotic step to... Yeah, and you know... It's, and, and it's not it's not a, a loss of sovereignty. Not it's, in the slightest. It's, it's an like assertion of sovereignty. We are a confident yeah. country and yeah. therefore we understand that the countries yeah. that are confident in the modern world have to be interdependent, have yeah. to pull their sovereignty. We've been doing it forever and we're going to take this first step, whether that's joining EFTA or the single market I don't know but that I think is the the way to do it but it's very difficult yeah and we know and we've discussed it before you know the Daily Mail will go berserk the Telegraphs will go berserk you know it'll be against uh, the, the, what we assume will be a more 
openly populist right conservative party will go berserk so he's yeah. got to have real cojones on this yeah um I, I think the honest truth is we don't know i mean he's look the guy's in 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 his quiet way played a blinder hasn't he he's taken a party from you know the the absolute depths of electoral despair yeah, to the edge of office one I, has to hand it to him you've got to remember that it's only what are we talking about three years ago when people were talking yeah. about a decade a decade of Boris of Johnson Boris Johnson yeah and not because of Boris Johnson but because of Jeremy Corbyn right and so if nothing I mean if he st- if Starmer stood down tomorrow he'd be one of the most important leaders in the history of the Labour Party right, right. so you know he's done something right now that doesn't mean he's going to be a great prime minister but jury's out yeah, that's the best I can do, really, on on Starmer because he is a sphinx when it comes to all this, and there are people quite close to him who all say, "Don't know." What did you make of that phrase, which has been widely praised this morning, about a government that treads l- more lightly on people's lives? I think that's a very uh, thinly coded sort of olive branch to blue wall Tories. Right. I mean, the truth is that if you look at the challenges of the next fifty years. Actually, government is going to have to be quite. It's going to have to intervene in our lives a lot. The paradox of what he's saying is that there's a huge amount of work to be done uh, to rebuild trust. There's yeah. huge. We've we, we've always you know we can trot off the in existential problems yeah. this country faces, and that is going to require a lot of government, not less. Uh, regulation of AI, climate change, yeah. which we can go and yeah. talk about in yeah. the second half, maybe. But you know, these are things that not not to speak of the sort of glaring problem of inequality of a kind that is simply not sustainable yeah but also if you want social cohesion to continue the level of difference between the very rich and the very poor in this country is yeah. just not do you know what we should do mate um and and, and i'm saying this because i was about to say what they need to do but we should do it as well is yes. we should take this on the road this podcast and go to five or six different I towns i totally agree in the, in, and, you know, maybe somewhere in the countryside as well and do it with people and try, you know, I've, I've mentioned John Harris before. About yeah, no, he's God, a very, you know, he's I just excellent. think, he's, you know, it's, it's, it's proper real journalism where you go out and you actually see stuff. What, what would know, make a difference? What would and help? talk to people and, and try and get a real sense of what's going on in the country. You know? I think the biggest change in my lifetime has been that even under Thatcher, there was a notion amongst enough voters that they would get a fair shake. And now, especially amongst young people, but, you know, obviously all over, you know, outside the Golden Triangle of the Southeast, you know, lots yeah. of people who just have absolutely no confidence that they're going to get a fair shake. Yeah. You know, they have to work 60 hour weeks turning two jobs and they still need still. and they still need universal credit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, that is not a sustainable basis for the seventh richest country in the world yeah. to work. These are questions of a kind of profundity and ideological difficulty that Starmer does not want really to get into, yeah. but he's going to ha- he or someone else is going to have to. All right. Well, if you're listening and you would like us to come and visit your community and do the podcast from a, I don't know, a village hall or a small theatre or something like this or a school. We'd love it. We'd love it. So uh, email in your suggestions to uh, two mats. That's the number two, M-A-T-T-S, at T-N-E publishing.com. 
and we'd love to hear from you. On the road again. On the, on the <laughs> road again. again. That would be great. Yeah. To get back on the road <laughs> we are already murdering tracks in 2024. Yeah. Right, we're going to take a short break before Matt starts singing any further and we'll come back Just in a minute. <laughs> in the interest of public safety. <laughs> we'll, come back, we'll come back with more chat about what we think might be big stuff in 2024. Thank you for listening to The Two Matt and if you like the kind of conversations we have here there are loads more to be had in print and online at the new european uh, and i have got a very special offer for all listeners of the two mats we are giving away copies of alistair campbell's diaries 2023 which is a book we're publishing this month uh, it's fantastic diary full of everything that's happened all the people he's met and anybody who's a fan of alistair campbell's diaries over the years know how brilliantly he turns them out he is very much a latter-day samuel peeps he really is he is so you can get a free copy of alistair campbell's diaries 2023 worth 20 pounds when you subscribe to the new european from as little as one pound a week or if you like getting the newspaper delivered to your door every single week you can have that for just another pound a week and that's a 75 percent saving on the price you'll pay at the news agents to get this great offer go to www.theneweuropean.co.uk forward slash two mats I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. So welcome back. Uh, 2024, my feeling. So one of my things, I think, uh, the climate crisis is going to become more and more obvious. Yeah. Not just this year but you know obviously on an ongoing basis and i was reading in the new european uh nigel warburton our in-house philosopher did a brilliant piece about how 
it's baked into us to assume that the future will be like the past, you know, and this is this is really a problem when you get material change coming around the yes. corner, which is which is what's happening. And then in the following pages in our carousel section, one story from Barcelona where there has been a drought for two years, basically, and none of those great city fountains in Barcelona have been running for two years. And since June, all the citizens have been restricted to 200 litres of water a day, which is basically a small bath, you yes. know, and it's getting worse and worse and worse. And then the next story, the Danube breaking its banks and flooding much of Hungary, you know, and people sitting there deluged in, in unseasonably warm and wet weather. And... It, it definitely seems to be something that we're all we've got our head in the sand about still you know yes. despite all the verbiage and the talk and the mantras and the marches and all of this stuff these are real changes that are happening to Europe you know oh massive and and we talked a lot in 2023 about border control and migration and the horrors of the Rwanda policy and the incompetence of the conservatives and their awful language well I mean, Climate change means that population mobility in the next couple of decades is going to be on a scale yeah. never seen before yeah. in the world. And Paul Mason makes this point as well. Very the, well. About, yeah. you know, well, the analogy he uses was the development of the nuclear bomb and you know, yes. the fear of chain reactions of atomic warfare and stuff like this. But now a real threat of chain, of chain reactions of crises, yes. localised crises, but all netting together. Some wars, some climate change disasters, populations on the move, political disruption, the disproportionate growth of other nations, you know, and how that affects the the balance of the global economy. And we could be going into a period of, of you know, I don't want to sound too much like Cormac McCarthy and the road, you know, but we could be going into a period of real apocalyptic change, yes. you know. And, and it's very important as we're looking at 2024, and rightly so, because it's a very important year but if you stop looking at the long term none of the decisions and things that happen this year will mean a row of beans yeah. and in fact the issue you're talking about Matt, is in in many respects the only one that matters yeah. because everything else is sub subordinate to that and i don't i do worry i'm now as appalled as you were by sunak backsliding on the net zero strategy the government has but i worry also that labor under political pressure will keep pushing back its 28 billion pound pledge on on green investment and you have to have the courage of your convictions on this if you want there to be a planet for your children and grandchildren yeah. to have i'm still that the phrase that my friend the editor of clarine in, in argentina wrote about the election of Millet, where ricardo kirschbaum and he summed it up by saying that the fear of the present was greater than the fear of the future yeah. and that is, that is very true for all of us you it, know, it is as a species we are very good at turning away from big things that are down the road to concentrate on smaller things in the here and now uh, and I, I just wonder how do we you know apart from these climate conferences and all uh, of this business shop. they're talking shops we all know they're talking shops yeah. but there's something palliative about the fact that, oh, oh, everyone's agreed to keep it down to 1.5 degrees rise. Yeah. It's, it's bullshit, isn't it? I, th I think you need, I mean, there is no, there is no alternative to uh, political leadership. You, yeah. need, you need political leaders to say what we've been saying, but better, you yeah. know, and, and put it in Lincoln, Churchill, uh, JFK yeah. kind of language. And, and this is one of the things that has changed, which is that the, back in the day, leaders were not afraid of challenging electorates. 
there's much more followership now than leadership. That's right. And there are very few people one can point to, I think, in the global landscape who who have that capacity to say, this is going to be incredibly hard. Yeah. And yes, you know, it's going to cost you money. And yes, it's going to be inconvenient. And yes, you're going to have to ditch your car. Mm. And last year was a bad year because, mm. you know, ULEZ is not about the ultra low emission zone scheme in London is not about climate change. It's about air quality. Pollution, yeah. But, you know, the Uxbridge by-election caused yeah. a kind of nervous breakdown in the Labour Party. You know, oh, my God, you know, if we do this, then we might lose the election. No, you know, yeah. you cannot think like that. And again, it's it's a different issue, but it illustrates the point, the row in how, how hot under the collar people in Wales got about the idea of going th- uh, 20 miles an hour rather than 30 yes. miles an hour. Now, I drive in London, and when that change happened, yeah, for about two months, you did think, God, this is achingly slow. Hmm. But now, if you drive at 30, it feels like ridiculously realize, fast. Yeah. And then you think about, you know, the hundreds of people who are still alive today because they weren't killed in a 30-mile-an-hour car yes. crash. And and the inconvenience, you know, the two minutes extra it takes you on your journey to go at 20 all of those things make perfect sense. And no rational person, really, when you sat down and said, you know, in the great scheme of things, is this something that we are not going to do because we're so stuck on this 30 mile an hour nonsense? I, I think most people would say, no, there are bigger things to worry about. Absolutely. And actually, one of the things that we've become terrible at in the West, in free societies, is thinking long term. Yeah. You know, we just are terrible at it. And there's that you know the 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 so-called effective altruism school that that was rather besmirched by its association with Sam Banks Friedman yeah, yeah. and it's slightly quiet at the moment but yeah. you know they have a point about being good ancestors yeah and treating people in the future as you would your neighbors yeah but this is a way of thinking that is not commonplace i mean we think entirely in terms of convenience maybe this is something that starmer could think about when he's talking about the lighter touch of government but is there something on a more grassroots level where he could structuralize community change you know where pressure grew from the community i think so and i mean one one thing is that i've heard uh sort of suggested a very sort of mp level rather than minister level around uh westminster a few times is that bring back national service pause, gulp, everyone goes, no, 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 no. But make the National Service a year of helping with sustainability projects yeah, around like the UK. Like a kind of VSO kind yes, of thing. Yes, and, and, and the the payoff would be that you, you get a bit of a help with your student debt or apprenticeship yeah. money and so on. You know, you, you'd be paid a, a living wage while you were doing it. But but it would it would actually bring people together at an, an early age into the idea that the big challenge facing the country yeah. is just as national service used to be it was national security it was being learning the basics of being a soldier the future requires every citizen to be green yeah um and engaged in and, the and engaged and yeah. actually yeah. you know and it would be something that i think a lot of people would enjoy but also yeah. it would it's the kind of thing that we just don't do anymore which is mobilize national and indeed and international opinion around a single idea. A sense of mission. We've a talked about mission. this time again. You know, we, you, know. We, you know, we're so marketized. You know, yeah. everything is to even public services are now presented in terms of consumption. I mean, of course, you emphasize waiting lists, of course. But waiting lists uh, should be an aspect of your experience as a patient, not as a consumer. That's right. Yeah. You know, I hate that idea that I'm a consumer of public services. Of course, I'm not. Yeah. 
you know, I'm a user of them and, and, and through the tax system. Uh, you're certainly you a funder of them. A, fund, yeah. a funder yeah. of them, yeah. that, that's fine. But yeah. um, they're not uh, fungible goods on the marketplace, no, or at least right. they shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the internet has, has spoiled us because, you know, if our delivery of a book from Amazon is a day late, we act like it's a massive uh, national crisis. Yeah, I'm the worst. Of the, honestly, it's now my reflex to order oh, on Amazon you know, Prime. I know, of course. Even if it's for sale down the road. You right, know. but you're sitting there with your phone and you think, you know, oh, yeah. shit, I need this tonight. And, I wanted to and, buy a dartboard. You know, I was watching Luke Of Little. course. I bet a lot of dartboards were sold on Amazon. Amazon would be, that would vans. be a great p- data point. I bet you. They're hard to... You go Even and look, now, you can't are, get them. There are Amazon vans all over. Shuffling dartboards <laughs> all over the country. <laughs> the, for the people's Oompa Loompa. I mean, true. you know, God bless him. So, so <laughs> thinking... Thinking, you know, the, the the oldest looking sixteen year old in the world. By the way, it must credit James O'Brien for the most apposite comment on that, which Don't was me. that he said he tweeted, "If this lad was an illegal immigrant, then the Daily Mail would be demanding his teeth were being carbon dated right now." You know, I mean, and they would. That's brilliant. You know, yeah, but they spent all year saying, they're "Oh yeah, not, yeah, they're yeah. Not he's teenagers. not young. These are the young men that yeah, come exactly. here to play darts." Exactly. <laughs> it, was a, it was a great point, well made. That is very, very good. Yeah. So that's climate change. Meanwhile, back on back on the war front. <laughs> yeah. We go to Ukraine. Remember yeah. Ukraine? Well, we're going to do a spe- we're going to do a cover on it next week, I think. Very good because yeah. I mean, it, it's uh, there was a very sad and testy interview with Zelensky in the New Year Economist, in which he said maybe not everything is as fast as someone imagined. That was the translation. You go back to 2022 when the invasion happened, and everyone was running around in blue and yellow, and yeah. hey, you know yeah. Zelensky and everything. and. This is an illustration of what we were just talking about, the sort of attention deficit thing, which is it's it's, it's, it's less than two years ago. It's not been yeah. that long. And it's still it's still going on it's still worse going than on. ever. And, yeah. and worse than ever. And hey, you know, that's what wars are like. Yeah. This is the problem is that we're so geared to instant gratification that everyone came together, the West and free world not the non-aligned South, but certainly the Western free world came together around Ukraine as more unified than at any point since 9-11. And everyone was, we helped Zelensky. We're not going to put boots on the ground, but we'll everything short of we'll give him. And now, since October the 7th and everyone uh, focusing understandably upon the Middle East, you know, we appear not to be able to walk and chew gum at yeah. the same time as an international community because it's like, ah, Ukraine, Ukraine, you know, yeah. he can do a deal. And yet again... It's suddenly become grudging, hasn't it? You very, know, like, and you know, and here's I rem- your money, but this is the last of it, you know. And I remember very early in the crisis, saying, you know, and I don't always get it right, but this one I did, which was we're going to sell them out because we sold them out in 1994, mm. when in return for Ukraine giving up its nuclear missiles, we said, yep, you know, Budapest men around them, any problems with your borders, you give us your nukes, any problems with the borders, we. Britain, America will come to your aid. Yeah. Uh, we didn't give them NATO membership in the early 2000s. When Putin annexed Crimea in 2014, we went, oh, sorry, you know, it's yeah. tricky. Uh, we didn't give them a pass to NATO membership at the Vilnius summit in July last year. In the end, we always sell Ukraine out. And and I get the arguments for a compromise and you know it's not realistic to drive Putin out to pre-2014 borders. But we acted like it was yeah, for the first eighteen right. months, that's and right. you can understand why Zelensky is, you know, what, yeah, what, what happened? What, what happened? Yeah, you know, you and of course Putin is sitting there, 
you know, running out the clock, hoping that Trump yeah. will win in November. Yeah. Well, um, this is the interwoven network of crises that it Paul's really is. Yeah. And I suppose that brings us on to uh, the Middle East. And yeah. it's interesting in the last few days, because before Christmas, we were very much talking about, you know, the the the, the, the crisis of October the 7th and then the crisis of humanitarian disaster in Gaza with, you know, what civilian casualties now up to 23,000, I yeah. think, and very much focused on that. And would it escalate? And, it, you know, it is escalating. Yeah. There's just no question. Um, but it seems to me, so here's my naive, take on it i can't see what uh, netanyahu's strategy is other than wanting to drive gaza completely free of palestinians he wants doesn't he want them to pour over the border into egypt doesn't he want them on boats to I, come to western europe you know i i honestly don't know i mean i think that, that you know he has two contradictory tasks you know one is to eliminate hamas or degrade its Capability, which everyone agrees is is, is well, the right you can't, thing to do. You yeah. can't. Well, you can't eliminate it, but you can probably bring it down to the point where it's not a viable yeah. force. Yeah. But he also has more than a hundred hostages still in yeah. in Gaza, and he also knows that the minute the first phase of the military operations ends, he's toast anyway. I mean, yeah. the Supreme Court just you know uh, struck down his very dodgy judicial reforms. So he's a kind of lame duck prime minister, and he's not covered himself with glory during this crisis to say the least but i mean meanwhile you see all sorts of things going on so there was that we're recording this on thursday yesterday there was a explosion in iran yeah um near the burial site of general qasim Soleimani, who's a, a very iconic head of the revolutionary guards quds force and it was the fourth anniversary at least 84 people killed uh, fourth anniversary of his assassination, assassination by the yeah United yeah States, by the u.s strike yeah, in, yeah, yeah. in in iraq and yeah. more almost 300 injured terrible event and no one knows yet who it was but iran's president ibrahim rises already blamed israel blaming the, quote, Zionist regime and America and Israeli sources in the Wall Street Journal today are saying we have no evidence it was Israel. But you can see that in Iranian yeah. public opinion, it will already be baked yeah. in that it was. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, in the Red Sea, Houthi rebels are firing on American and other ships, you yeah. know, m- naval ships, and that's causing problems. In the north of Israel, you already have troops being withdrawn from Gaza and moved up to the Lebanese border to fight with Hezbollah. So people say, will it escalate? It is escalating yeah, into a regional crisis. Yeah, yeah. And and I think this is very worrying because you, you know, you already have a, to your point, Matt, you know, you already have a, will there be anything left of Gaza at the end of it? You have very sore and isolationist uh, Israel thinking no one cares about October the 7th. You have Iran on manoeuvres through its proxies and America about to go in on itself. Yeah. This is not a very happy combination of factors. No, it's a shitstorm. It is a shitstorm. And I find it very hard to map out, to game out a good answer. I mean, you know, obviously we all want a two-state solution. I mean, anyone decent and sane wants that. Yeah, well, except there's plenty of people who present themselves as decent and sane who who say, no, that's not on anymore. No, and I mean, you know, I, I... I mean, I think Hamas is much more canny strategically than it's sometimes given credit for, because I think that it understood completely that, uh, you know, it doesn't want a two-state solution, and it understood that Israel would go berserk after the October the 7th attack, and it has. Mm -hmm. And so the prospect of a two-state solution is now 
worse than it's been for 30, 40 years, which isn't is the, very bleak. Isn't, isn't the... I mean, I, 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 I'm very reluctant to say the obvious thing because I don't think there's anything obvious about any of this, but isn't the closest to an obvious first step a ceasefire now. well i mean look there's then there's the endless row over nomenclature right humanitarian pause truces and all that yeah. who you know who doesn't want a humanitarian pause right you want to see fewer people die yeah the problem is that where i part company with the the sort of ceasefire party is when they think that a ceasefire is going to resolve everything and lead immediately to talks in oslo or geneva about right you know how to yeah. divide up the area of Israel and the, yeah. the territories. And I, I think that that's naive, which is, of course, you want to see the scale of civilian casualties fall down, you know, ideally it is nil. But I don't agree with the argument that a ceasefire, welcome it was it be in, in a kind of humanitarian uh, way, will lead automatically to lots of things. So, yes, a ceasefire, but but what then? Yeah. You know, what... Because clearly Hamas cannot be part of the next... It, the only reason to lobby for a ceasefire is because you believe that there are negotiations to be had. Or or, or you believe that Hamas is already so eroded that... Well, that, 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 yes. That there's now a void of sorts. That's a... That's, and that again, needs that, filling by I, something. I yeah. hope that's so. Yeah. You know, and when that's so, then yeah. absolutely. But... All I would say is that who can be against a ceasefire? I mean, it's a ridiculous thing to say. But but what I do worry is that ceasefire is a, has become a proxy word for um, just stop and leave the, the job half done. Right. Um, I mean, personally, what I'd like to see is Netanyahu go. Yeah. yeah. Replaced by someone like Benny Gantz, who's, a, who's got military credentials, but is a sane. Yes. And I think would have, unlike Netanyahu, would have a... A, a kind of three to four year plan. Well, Netanyahu hasn't got a two to three week plan. Exactly. He, I mean, he, he, he's hiding from people like Benny Gantz because they're all saying, well, what's, what is the end of what state? Is the, what's po- the end game? Where do you want us to get to? Where do you to? want us to get to? And he's literally not taking the meetings. Yeah. And hostages, families are being very critical of him and understandably, yeah. which is like, well, how are you getting our people out? Yeah. So I think it is, you know, certainly until he goes... I mean, what you really want is Hamas out and Netanyahu yeah, exactly. out. I yeah, mean, that is yeah. that is a that is a that result. Would, that would be progress. Yeah. That would be progress of a sort. But I, what I fear is that this is now escalating into a, a regional conflict and perhaps a uh, international conflict because you read worrying stories about arrests of jihadi cells all over Europe and in America, mm. and it is not hard to see this sort of translating into atrocities which will then yeah. be more even more divisive totally yeah. you know so i uh, that worries me enormously for it's the uh, yeah no no it's 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 clearly absolutely depressingly tragic yeah no i mean it is tragic without obvious solution i mean sometimes and, and this is very hard for people of a liberal mindset to accept i find it hard to accept there are things which are just tragic yeah it's yeah. very difficult and that's not a reason to give up yeah. No, 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 totally. And, and you know, you can always minimise tragedy, but yes. it still doesn't stop it being a tragedy. No, absolutely. And then right. speaking of apocalypse. Yeah. Um, there's always, a presidential... Always switching up. There's a presidential election in Taiwan on January the 13th. Brilliant. Hooray! Yeah. And, look, I mean, up until now, this year probably, I've always thought, look, you know, China isn't going to blockade Taiwan. Come on. Mm. 
And America has always been able to have this kind of totally inconsistent policy, which is we believe in one China, but if China ever blockades or invades Taiwan, we will respond militarily. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense at all, but yeah. it's kind of worked. Everyone's saved face. And now suddenly Beijing's trying to oust the ruling DPP party because they who they feel are getting a bit too independent and the incumbent president Tsai Ing-wen has come to the end of a maximum two terms so it's in play and what's scary is the level of cyber intervention and other forms of intervention by the by Beijing in this election it's very tight and no one knows what it's going to lead to but again what you have to worry about is imagine a, a more biddable regime coming in in Taiwan more Beijing friendly and then imagine a crisis of some sort in America. Right. Where if you were Xi Jinping, you'd think, is it ever going to get better? Yeah. Let's Again. Just, let's just take the moment. Let's yeah. just take the moment. Now, yeah. as, as Putin did with Ukraine. Exactly. Yeah. Now, I, and and the, 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 one of the slogans in, in Taiwan at the moment is, we don't want to be the second Ukraine or yeah. the next Ukraine. Yeah. And you can understand why. And I think that's sort of the, one of the characteristics of this year, 2024, is that the th- the unthinkable is becoming thinkable and the the levels of volatility are unprecedented i just don't know i mean yeah. one hopes the taiwanese election will go off smoothly one hopes that when we're having this conversation this time next year taiwan will still be in this strange yeah. limbo constitutional limbo it is but i can't say with any certainty that's the case and that is the that is the theme throughout this entire conversation we've just been having is that the unthinkable is becoming thinkable yes yes. across everything and i you know i think a lot of bills are finally coming due to be paid you know one of them is what sort of international order do we want you know what kind of un do we want but also what do we want america to do because when Biden was elected, he said America is back and everyone went, Ray, an end to Trump isolationism. But we've shown repeatedly that we don't really want America to be rampaging across the landscape, you know, fighting forever wars. We yeah, don't. Yeah. And and more to the point, neither do they. Yeah. You know, they want NATO to to pay up pay up. And, yeah, do so their job, yeah. Ten years from now, what does the global security apparatus look like? Yeah. You know, I don't know. Again, and we can't we can't Europeans are are very dependent on America for our security. Too, too so, dependent. You, you know, know, it's funny, isn't it? Because one one thinks of a time not that long ago when the idea of a European army was was sort of sacrilegious. But actually now uh, you have a lot of intelligent people saying, Well, you know, we makes can't makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. And and Germany, which has, has always shied away from a, a strong military kind of character for obvious historic reasons huge pressure well trump's general. right about that in the sense yes. that when he looks at nato and says it's an organization we are basically paying for and the europeans are just getting a lot of the benefit from yeah and you free, and you know? you you know you reserve the right to tell us you hate us yeah that's when, right when, when, you know we spend yeah. more than you do and then we go and sort out these issues and if it lasts more than three weeks yeah you call us imperialists I mean, it is, although, you know, when I hear the Republican debates, the presidential debates, and the the kind of who can be the most isolationist is alarming. It it does get scary. Because that's in their DNA. You know, if you go back to the founding fathers, that is in their DNA. farewell address, you know, was we don't get entangled in. And it's a a relative, you're right, it's a relatively recent idea, the Pax Americana. And I think it's in its old form, it's gone. Mm -hmm. So the question is, moving forward you know what kind of role do we see for nato for america yeah. for now if trump wins yeah. the answer is practically zero yeah 
and that's scary. Well, then that does bring the question right into the foreground, and there'll be a solution required because yes, can you imagine a world without a NATO in it now? Right now, John Bolton's memoirs are amazing. I mean, John Bolton, you know, it's amazing. Trump's capacity to make crazy people look sane. You know, John yeah. Bolton was his national security advisor, and uh, you know really demented and drenched but his, <laughs> but he was like wow this guy's off the hook and the, in his memoirs there's a description of sort of being in a car yeah and trump going maybe today i'm going to leave nato and john bolton saying no, don't do that mr president <laughs> and calling generals on, on his phone saying please text him you know Jesus you know, do today? i'm not sure you know nato you know it's, it's kind of is it a good thing is it a bad thing when i was growing up you used to look back at 20th century history and think how lucky am I to be alive yes. now? You know, in the best time there is to be alive. Totally. And now I'm slightly worried that we're just on the advent of possibly the worst time to be alive. You know. Yes, like, and I um, mean, you know, we've both got kids, right? Yeah. And that focuses the mind, doesn't yeah. it? You know, it yeah. really does because you think. I mean, one of the kind of natural human instincts is this impulse to leave a better place behind you. You know, that yeah. better. A better future, a better prospect, a more peaceful yeah. world. All these banalities that actually are very yeah. meaningful. I think maybe people will look back at our our generation and the generation before and think we were the generations that absolutely blew it. You know, we had the opportunity to create a much better world, but we, I, we I, absolutely I, blew I think it. that the tragedy of the 90s is the subject of a great book by a, a great historian you know yeah. which is we had this moment where we could have reshaped the world as as people did after the second world war yeah. we could have secured russia with a hundred Marshall plans yes and what we did was we said here's this thing called democracy now what's this about oligar oligarchs and yeah. <laughs> former yeah. kgb take people taking all the money all right you'll be fine we'll see in 10 years yeah, yeah, you know and 10 yeah. years was putin mm. and he's still around all right. Well, that's been consistent doom and gloom. Is there anything yeah. to look forward to in the next 12 months? Apart uh, from Liverpool possibly the, winning the Liverpool, title. obviously, uh, a cause of endless joy. <laughs> as One of my continuing education as a football yeah. fan. The Olympics? Yes. The Euros? Yes. yes. The Euros, both can... Lots I think, of good sport, yeah. Very good sport. I think it may just be sport, you know. Yeah. I'm not sure that there's much else on the on the sort of him sheet to look no, no, forward no. But you're right, the Olympics will the Olympics be... Is, the Olympics yeah. is invariably, and I, I I have a hunch the French will do a fantastic I hope they do, job, yeah. You know, I yeah. mean, Macron will not... I mean, he'll just move heaven no. and earth, won't he, for yeah. it to be like a, you know, It'll great be, grand projet. It will know, be a meter-on moment. Yeah. And good luck to him, because we, we yeah. need something like that. And the Olympics yeah. do... They have, they have a... I mean, I, one of the interesting things I think about sport is that it's one of the last things that people trust. yeah. You know, people actually do. One of the reasons that Gary Lineker is such an influential yeah. character yeah. is that, you know, people trust him a lot more than they do Keir Starmer or Rishi yeah. Sunak. And not to stretch things too much, but it does come back full circle to your points about regularising trust within politics. Yeah. Well, the reason people trust sport is that there are very clear rules, you know. Absolutely. And, and they're very well scrutinised, you know, and people moan and about... And managers get sacked. We need a VAR for politics, don't we? You yes. Know, we need to, people to say, right, stop a minute. What's just happened? Who did what? That's not allowed, mate. You're now in a lot of you trouble. Know, if you Michelle Moan was playing in the Prem, right, yeah. she'd be... 
<laughs> 50 yards on offside and say yeah. to the ref, oh, it's just offside. That's right, yeah. I uh, don't own uh, this offside. No, I, you know, it's not my, you know, I don't <laughs> see not, the problem. It's not my ball. <laughs> what, by the way, just for so listeners can know, where yeah. are we with Michel Moan? So next week, we're going to, uh, in, in partnership with the Good Law Project, mm-hmm. we're going to serve them notice that we're going to sue them to recover the the money that we had to uh, spend in our uh, legal response to their empty defamation threats. And they've been selling, we read that they've been selling There's been off a, they've a been fire selling sale. Off, selling the, the, apparently they're selling the yacht that they don't own. So that's, I don't know where that falls into, <laughs> into, Look, into she's, law. But Matt, she's just lying to the press, okay? Yeah, yeah. It's not a crime. It's not a crime. It's not you a know, crime. She's no. a member of the House of Lords. I mean, once she, yeah. it's extraordinary, isn't it, that you've got a member of the House of Lords saying so, it's not a crime to... No, 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 just a lie. Just a lie. Stuff, yeah. Well, yeah. I've been following closely Dan Needle, the tax lawyer, who's great man, who's been threatening for what sounds like some fairly serious uh, evidence against Doug Barrowman. Excellent. You know, so there's I mean, a lot. That's to, who's Mr. Moan. Yeah, Mr. Moan. Yeah. Yeah. Who's you know the whole premise of this sucks, and this this kind of smokescreen that they're trying to put up about well we're not quite as bad as a lot of other people. You know, that yes. doesn't really wash. But she's right in that sense that there is a oh, bigger story. A, this is a structural at. story. Yeah, yeah. But it, but as I think we said on the, the end of 2023 episode, you know, she's not a scapegoat. She's a case study. Yes, and This idea right. that she's right. a, she is not a victim. One thing one can be sure of at yeah. the beginning of 2024, Michelle Moan is not a victim. No, no. On that note, thank you so much for listening to our first podcast. Thank you very much. And I hope you all, in spite of all the above, have a, you know, you and your families have a great year. Yes, a wonderful year ahead. Um, and, and you know, there's probably going to be a change of government in the UK. So it's not, yeah. it's not all doom and gloom. So there are, I mean, there are like there are Donald things. Tusk in Poland. And Donald Tusk in Poland, like so you know. We can push back against these people. No, I mean, it's not know? nothing, human agency. Yeah. This is why I hate the right side of history argument, yes. right? Which is that the only thing that ever is, is human agency. That's right. right? People coming together and doing stuff. That's, That's right. it. That's all That's there right. is. And none of what we've been discussing today is inevitable. No. The question is, are people prepared to step up to the plate at the various levels of politics and citizenship? And there's only one way to find out, as Harry Hill would say. Good stuff. Good <laughs> stuff. Well, thank you so much for listening. Get in any questions and feedback to uh, our email address, which is two mats. That's the number two, M-A-T-T-S at T-N-E publishing.com. We look very much forward to hearing your uh, questions for our regular Sunday morning Q&A show. Q&A, yes. Yeah, which we'll pick up Resume. this Sunday. Absolutely. Yeah. And We're don't forget in- your uh, subscription offer at theneweuropean.co.uk forward slash two mats. That's the number two, M-A-T-T-S. You do something positive about the state of the media in this That's country. That's something you can do in 2024. Yeah, you can. Be proactive yeah, be and proactive. support our journalism. If you like what you hear on this podcast, then subscribe to The New European. There's plenty of it in there every single week. Thank you, as ever, to our production team, Ollie at Rethink Audio. And uh, until next week... It's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from him. Goodbye. goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.